Our thanks to the choir for that wonderful rendition of a familiar hymn. As we prepare to turn to our scripture lesson for today, we'll be uh, using two passages. We'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 11 and from Genesis chapter 4. If it's not apparent to you yet why we would read both of those together, it will be soon. Uh, We're using the chapter 11 of Hebrews uh, to guide us as we launch into this school year. Uh, We're talking over the next year about living faith. And for the next several weeks and months, we'll be talking about living our faith in particular and what it means to live faith as a community. And so we'll be using uh, Hebrews 11 to guide us as the author of Hebrews lifts up a series of uh, great heroes of Scripture uh, as examples for living faith. But before we turn to God's Word, let's first take a moment to go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks that you have brought us back together. We thank you that you have brought us back to this, uh, this time, this phase in the life of our church. And as we gather in worship this morning, as we lift up our prayers and our songs, we ask that you would be with us as we uh, turn now to your word. We ask that your spirit who inspired the writing of these words would inspire our hearing today, that we might come to know who you are and who you are calling us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our first scripture lesson will come to us from uh, the book of Hebrews. We'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. Uh, These are verses that we read last week, but we will focus in on one of the specific stories uh, from Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 4. Listen to the word of God. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval, By faith, we understand that worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this, he received approval as righteous, God himself giving approval to his gifts. He died, but through his faith, he still speaks. Here ends our first reading. Our second reading comes to us from Genesis chapter 4. We'll be reading Genesis 4, verses 2 to 4. Next, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, for his part, brought the firstlings of his flock, their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, as we reflect now on the word that we have just heard, we ask that your spirit would help it uh, to find its way into our lives, that we might leave this place a changed people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through his faith, he still speaks. By faith, Abel offered an acceptable sacrifice. And by faith, Abel still speaks. 
As we uh, read Hebrews 11 today, as we uh, turn our attention to this passage, uh, we are looking together at a church at what it means to live our faith. And the first hero we find in Hebrews 11, the first character our author gives us, is Abel. Abel's a good choice for the first in our list. Abel's one of the earliest characters we meet in Scripture. And Abel's also a familiar character. As we look throughout Hebrews 11, we'll find some characters we don't know quite as well, but we know Abel. We know Abel's story pretty well, and that actually can be dangerous. We've talked about this in the past. When there's a scripture passage you know particularly well, it can be hard to hear what the Bible actually says. Instead, we we hear what we remember in our minds rather than what's written before us. And I think that's true particularly in the case of this story. After all, uh, we know this story so well, we have a specific name for it. Uh, Never once has a child come back from Sunday school and said, in Sunday school today, we learned the story of Abel. That's just not what we call this passage. No one has ever said, I want to learn the story of Abel. No one's ever said, let's read the story of Abel. That's not what we call these verses. We have a name for these verses. We call this the story of Cain and Abel, right? This is the story of Cain and Abel, and we put them in that order. We, we talk about Cain and Abel, and we typically focus on Cain first. We focus on the negative example rather than the positive, but that's not what happens in Hebrews. In Hebrews, our author focuses us on Abel himself, and there's something, I think, pretty powerful about that notion of lifting up what is to be uh, followed rather than what is to be avoided, but Perhaps that's a sermon for another day. For this moment, I think it's important for us to focus in on Abel and to read Abel's story. So to do so, we have to turn to the book of Genesis. And as we look in our passage from Genesis, I think it's okay for us to allow ourselves the indulgence, the the comfort of reading the story the way we know it. I think it's okay, as long as we're careful, to begin looking not at Abel, but at Cain, knowing that we will come back to Abel once we've gotten into the story. So let's begin with Cain. As we look at Cain in this story, we're told that uh, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And when uh, Cain, Cain was, uh, was one who worked the ground, he, he brought to God uh, the harvest, fruits, vegetables, uh, plants. And as Cain brought his gift, it, it didn't turn out the way he expected. When Cain brings his gift to God, we're told that uh, God had no regard for Cain's gift. And uh, that's, uh, that's kind of strange. Uh, for some reason, God does not seem to be pleased by Cain's offering. And so as we look very closely at the passage, we get no indication of, of why. The passage doesn't tell us what exactly was, was wrong with Cain's offering or why God was not pleased with us. Instead, the passage more or less ignores the content of Cain's offering and moves ahead to Cain's response. And as we continue reading, we find that uh, when Cain gives his offering, God does not regard Cain's offering with pleasure, and Cain gets angry. Now, that's important, because uh, the character who gets angry is Cain. It's not God. When God receives uh, Cain's offering, when, when Cain brings his gift, we do not find in Scripture that God is upset about the gift. We're not told that God is displeased with Cain's gift. We're not told that God is sad about Cain's gift. We're not told that God is angry about Cain's gift. We're told that God didn't even see it. God did not even look upon Cain's gift. 
God doesn't get angry at Cain. It's Cain who gets angry at God. And at this point, we discover uh, something about Cain's gift. You see, Cain had expected to get something in return for bringing his offering. He had expected his gift to bring about God's favor. Cain had expected his, his gift would yield returns. He expected his gift would help him build some equity in the eyes of God. He expected his gift would sway the opinion of the Almighty Lord. But there's, there's something peculiar about gifts, If you give a gift and expect that that gift will yield a return, it's not a gift. It's an investment. And if you give a gift in order to build equity, it's not a gift. That's called a down payment. And if you give a gift in order to sway the opinion of someone in power, it's not a gift. That's called a bribe. As we see what Cain was expecting to to result from his gift, we discover that Cain never actually gave a gift. Cain tried to make an investment. Cain tried to make a down payment. Cain tried to offer God a bribe. And so God did not see Cain's gift because Cain never offered one. God has no regard for Cain's offering because Cain never actually brings an offering. Cain brings an investment. Cain uh, brings a down payment. Cain brings a bribe. And God has no regard for Cain's gift because Cain never gives a gift. And when Cain finds out that his investment is not going to yield returns, he's no longer building equity in the eyes of God. He's not swaying the opinion of the Lord. Cain becomes very angry and he, he, he loses his temper and he, he goes into a fit of rage. And what comes next is a story for another day. We're not focused on Cain. We're not here to learn about Cain. We're here to learn about Abel. So let's shift our attention. Let's look now at Abel's part in the story. You see, as Cain brings his gift, Abel also brings an offering. And scholars have studied this offering and tried to find out why Abel's offering caused such pleasure for God. And as they they read these, these words, there are very specific parts of the words and the order of the words that become very important. As we read this story, we find that when Abel brought his offering, uh, Abel brought uh, the firstlings of his flock and their fat portions. Now Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground, but Abel brought the firstlings and their fat portions. Right away, scholars notice that when we read about Cain's offering, we get a word that's singular. And when we read about Abel's offering, it's plural. It's almost as if Abel brought more offerings, or this was part of a regular occurrence or a habit in Abel's life. It's almost as if Abel gave more than Cain. And immediately scholars begin to wonder if perhaps God was pleased with Abel because Abel gave a bigger gift than Cain. That does not make any sense. When we read the rest of Scripture, we find that God is very rarely impressed with the quantity of our gifts. If you look in Mark 12, we read the story of the widow's might, and Jesus tells us explicitly that the size of the gift is not nearly as important to God as something else. There's a, there's a third thing that causes both the size of the gift and the pleasure that God takes in it. It's not the, the quantity of Abel's gift that was pleasing to God. 
And so scholars continue and they read and they discover that there's also not just a, a difference in quantity, but there's a difference in, in perhaps, perhaps quality of these gifts. As Cain brings the fruits of the ground, but Abel brings, uh, brings, brings the fruit of his flock. Abel brings a, a burnt sacrifice. And there are scholars who read this passage and have suggested that when Abel burned uh, this, 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 this meat offering, the smell of roasting meat was so delicious that God had no choice but to look upon Abel with favor. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. In fact, as we read the rest of scripture, we find in the Psalms in particular, Psalm 51 tells us that a burnt offering is not particularly pleasing to God. The offering that God wants is something else. God is not pleased just with the quality of Abel's offering. God's not pleased just with the quantity of Abel's offering. There's something, something else that God holds in high regard. And so as we continue through the passage, we find that after Abel brings his gifts and he, he brings these, uh, these fruits of his flock, that God has regard for, it's not Abel's offering. When we find that God is pleased in this passage, what we hear is that God was pleased with Abel's offering but that's not what the Bible says. Scripture tells us that God is pleased with something else. And you may not have heard it when we read our scripture passage. So what I want us to do is I want you to hear it, but not only hear it, I want you to see it. Which means we're going to have to do something that we don't do very often. I want you to get out the Bibles in your pews. They're there. I checked this week. You've got Bibles in your pews, and I want you to turn to our Genesis passage. Now, the good news for you is if we're going to read a passage together, uh, we're going to use Genesis, and it's the easiest book of the Bible to find. Just open the front cover, and if you come to anything other than Genesis, you've gone too far. We're going to look at Genesis, and we're looking at chapter 4. So it's going to be just within the very first few pages of your pew Bibles. I believe it's actually on page 3 or 4. And so let's look at what happens in this story. When Abel offers his gift to God, let's see what what God says. We find that uh, uh, Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for... What does it say? Abel. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. John Calvin looks at these words and seizes on them and says, this is part of the the, the secret to the entire passage is understanding that God had regard for Abel and Abel's offering. And it's written in that order in English and in Hebrew. God is pleased first by Abel and then Abel's offering. What we find is God takes delight in Abel and what Abel brings. God takes delight in the giver and then the gift. God is concerned not so much with the content of the gift, but with the intent of the giver. And as we read this passage, we find that Abel is pleasing to God because of his faith. Not because of the quantity of his gift, not because of the quality of his gift, not because of the content of his gift, but because of the faith in which he gave his gift. Psalm 51 tells us that the sacrifice that is pleasing to God is a broken and contrite heart, not a burnt offering. We find in this passage that Abel is pleasing to God because he's able and because he gives his gift in faith. 
He gives his gift without regard for getting a return on his investment, without regard for building equity in the eyes of the Lord, without regard for uh, swaying the opinion of the Almighty. Abel gives his gift because God has already found favor with Abel. And he says, thank you. This is a very important passage for us as a congregation. As Abel gives his gift, he gives his gift to say thank you for the favor that he has already found in God's eyes. We say this every week over and over and over. The good news of the gospel is this, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Notice the tense of those verbs. The good news of the gospel is that Christ has already died for you in your place. Christ has already risen for you to bring you life. And Christ will come again regardless of whether or not you bring a giant offering or a small offering or a meat offering or a harvest offering. Christ will come again. The good news of the gospel is that God has already chosen to love you. God has already found favor with you. The sign for us is in the waters of baptism. Christ has died on your behalf. Christ has risen to conquer death for you, and Christ will come again for you. It's already happened. You can't cause it. You can't create it. You can't control it. God has chosen to love you because that's who God is. And so as we come together and bring our offerings, our offerings of, of prayers and pledges and praises, we bring our offerings not to get a return on our investment. We bring our offerings not to build equity in the eyes of the Lord. We bring our offerings not to sway God's opinion so that God might choose to love us. God has already chosen to love us. We bring our offerings, our prayers, our pledges, and our praises to say thank you that Christ has died. Thank you that Christ has risen. And thank you that Christ will come again. We bring our worship to God to say thank you that God has already chosen to love us no matter what. As we read this passage from Genesis and these words from Hebrews, the author in Hebrews tells us it is by faith that Abel's offering was pleasing to God and by faith that his example still speaks. We read these words, it is our faith and the promises of God who has chosen to love you already that allows us to come together in worship and say thank you. It's not an investment. It's not a down payment. It's not a bribe. Our worship is a thank you card. Every time we come together on a Sunday morning, every time we bring our prayers or pledges or praises, every time we work in our community and we work with our mission partners and we seek to be a blessing to the people around us, we are doing so because God has already chosen to love us. We bring our offering of worship to say thank you. As we spend these next weeks and months reading Hebrews 11 and reading about these wonderful characters who have gone before us, Abel is a good one to start with. Abel reminds us of the good news of the gospel that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. God has chosen to love you already because that's who God is. We get to say thank you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.